I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. Support for the Lost Words podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. Yes, you heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you with 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. Jason, 100 episodes. Mm. Um, that's some achievement, I think. I think, you yeah, know. Just to say, don't get kicked in the balls either by uh, <laughs> lack, of, lack of stats. Uh, Tourtips.com are also a supporter of ours um, for all your necessary stats. Um, and as we discussed last week about weather as well. So weather, form, head-to-head where they are during every round, what they do, what shoe size they are, etc. all on tourtips.com. Um, so, yeah, where were we, Tom? Sorry. 100 episodes. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's a good achievement, I think. I think, you know, when we when we started this, uh, you know, when we chatted about what we wanted it to be and, and how long we thought we were going to go for, et cetera, et cetera, we, we signed, kind of took the, uh, you know, idea of, you know, just see how it goes, didn't we? We, you know, we were during lockdown, um, put it out, see what we can get, see what the interest levels are like. Um, and we'll just roll with whatever happened. And uh, here we are, over oh, yeah, 18 months later, and uh, I think it's gone pretty well. Well, that's for the listeners to tell us, Tom, isn't it? We just do this. <laughs> well, like we say, it's a, it's a chat in the pub for us, isn't it? Without being it in the pub. Um, yeah. You know, and, and and we enjoy it. You know, it, we, we had a nice winner last week in Danny Willett. Um, Joachim Lagergren second as well, so that was always a nice, uh, nice week. And... I think I think more importantly, mate, it's just it's getting our ideas out of our heads and off the paper onto this and uh, chatting away and enjoying it. And I think you know the minute we don't do that anymore, we're not enjoying it. We'll uh, we'll stop doing it. But until then, we'll uh, we'll plug away, won't we? Yep, with some uh, pipers, cheddar, and uh, red onion crisps. I think if we're in the pub. Yeah, no, I like that. I uh, not so sure about the uh, the sugared Yorkshire pudding that I saw earlier. Um, that won't be in my pub dining. Yeah. Um, of course, it wouldn't be in yours, would it? No. Would it be in yours? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd play about with it, but yeah, so I'd probably have <laughs> some, but I'd probably have some caramelised banana on it, and uh, some peanut brittle, and uh, some. I'll think about the flavour of ice cream. Maybe peanut butter ice cream. You like a pistachio ice cream, don't you? I like, I like, well, I like pistachio, but you know, I also like caramelised banana, peanut brittle, and um, coconut ice cream. That's what I'd have with it. Coconut ice cream, yeah. yeah. Couldn't be for me, but there we go. I've, uh, you know, not not the mature palate as we've uh, already discussed over the years. But um, recapping last week, mate. Uh, Dunhill links. I- I'm quite happy to admit that I was wrong in terms of the the Ryder Cup stars returning and and not expecting them to play well. Obviously, Tyrrell, best of the bunch, played incredibly well. Um, looked like he ran out of steam towards the end, which whether that's just trying to contend for this championship again for the fourth time in a row or whether it's the Ryder Cup experience I don't know um, Tommy did what Tommy does at the moment kind of up there without really threatening and Shane Larry was good um, Shane Larry said that he, you know if he could have even given that result at the start of the week he'd have taken it so did Hatton so you could see where their mindset was um, but ultimately a really good win for Danny Willett 
Yeah, Hatton was um, appalling. Started round three fantastic. I said in the, in the 54-hole column, he was 11-8 on hmm. after half a dozen holes on Saturday, which I thought was ridiculous. Absolute nonsense. Um, but he was playing well, and then he just couldn't do a thing. Like his whole game fell apart, and I thought that was him gone. Yeah. So fair play to him for coming back on Sunday. Um, didn't look particularly 100%, I didn't think. Um, having said that, he's not been in the greatest form. So, you know, it's his best result for a while, so fair play. Yeah, Lowry, interesting about Lowry, because last week he was bouncing around all happy and stuff like that. And this week, every time he missed something, he was quite angry. Um, but anyway, there we are, such is life. Daniel Gavins, I thought, was a very much an eye-catcher for me. It looked like inexperience caught him out. Um and maybe that wasn't a fluke when he won in Ireland. Was, you know, be interesting to see what he does going on. Another one that bounced back quite oh, quickly, didn't he? Sorry? Another one that bounced back though, because he had that really poor finish in on Saturday, and just come out firing on Sunday to secure himself a, a top finish. And you touched upon um, on Twitter about you know they were mentioning that he had to finish inside the top whatever it was to get his his exemption. And we're not quite sure yet, are we? I think. I kind of read that the prize money that he'd won was less than 1.75 or whatever million, so he only gets a certain category, so maybe they were talking about that, but they were kind of suggesting that he needed to win to keep his card, which was a bit of a strange dynamic. So it'd be interesting to see now where he kicks on from here, whether this is whether this is his level of just contending or whether he, he kind of peaks and, and we don't hear about him again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that his two best have been at home, so... Hmm. You know, I know he doesn't travel that far. Obviously, he hasn't got the status to, to go round. I wouldn't have thought at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's won in Ireland and he's, he could very well finish closer than sixth here. So, be interesting to see what he does, as you say, going forward. And then, and then, you know, when we return back here, sort of, you know, next year. Um, Danny Willett was absolutely outstanding. I thought he was brilliant. Um, we discussed this earlier. I thought if it had won by three. That was a fair result. If he'd have won by four or five, I don't think anybody could have complained. I thought he was comfortable throughout Saturday uh, and excellent on Sunday. Um, when he got in trouble, he managed to, you know, he managed to save it. I mean, yes, you know, there were a couple of putts that didn't, didn't drop, but on ten, he he slightly pulled his second shot and landed on top of the on top of the hill. It looked like a really difficult putt. Camera was behind him. Can't remember how long it was. Twenty five foot, something like that. Camera was behind him. He had to get the speed right. He had to get the line right. As soon as it left his putter, it was in. Uh, on 11, he went right at the pin. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was 11. He went right at the pin. Had a really difficult two up and down and, and uh, did that. Yeah, I thought he was really, really comfortable. I thought his attitude was fantastic all week. Um, he was brilliant with the media. I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, like I say, if you, you were on at big prices. Fair play. I thought it very, very well deserved. I've got no complaints. I hope he goes on because I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was affable and I thought he was outstanding player. So, and yeah, so very, very impressed by Danny Willett this week. He was, I kind of put up his stats. He, I think he's 62.5% from, from 54 hole leads, which is pretty impressive considering a couple of those come early on in his career. Um, his post round interview, he kind of alluded to the fact that he seems to go through waves of form. Um, this seems to sort of happen every couple of years, which his results suggest. Um, probably struggled to sit a little bit since being master champion, but maybe not as much as you suspect someone like he would at his. It's hard to say at his level because I think he was a very good European tour player when he won the Masters. Um, but you certainly wouldn't put him up there in the upper echelons of, of guys you expect to win it. Um, 
And, and you'd forgive him, wouldn't you, for, for winning the Masters and, and never really doing anything else. And, you know, that happens uh, in major tournaments. But he's he's really kicked on, I think, in terms of keep winning tournaments, keep putting the foot down. Um, I kind of read it. He's had some proper ailments this season. Like he's had some, some real bad... He's had uh, appendicitis. He's had COVID. He's had... Yeah teeth problems i think you know he, he's he's had he's been through the ringer a little bit and and as i put out when when i put him up last week you know he's not ever been that far away even when he's missed the cut so a return to links was obviously perfect for him and and he got it done i think like i said earlier that it potentially helps having the right partner um he seems to get on pretty well with jimmy dunn didn't he um but that's again speculation it could, could mean nothing could mean everything um but i suppose it does help having the guy in the bag that you or guy in the group that you enjoy spending time with i suppose um, yeah, he's back with his, his, his former caddy. Yeah, well, smarty on the bag, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a multitude of factors. I think, I think, like you said, his winning score probably didn't represent how much further ahead he was. Because I mean, Richard Bland tied him at one point. Larkin was attacking him, um, but both of them kind of come up way short of what they needed to do. Bland missed a couple of really short parts, didn't he? As as you'd expect from Richard Bland, despite the fact that he's really kicked on this season. Um, and fair play to him. I mean, I, I wrote a, a newsletter earlier. It's, it's ridiculous that he's keeping up this form. Um, fairy tale season. And, you know, I, I guess if it was Hatton pushing him and, and pushing him a bit harder than he was during the day, maybe that changes things a little bit. But he just seemed quite calm and collected, didn't he? And, you know, got the job done. Yeah, yeah he's, he ranks 97th for Greens in Reg. Uh, over the year, and this week, uh, Friday to Sunday, you went fifth, first, twelfth. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's vital round here. But I, I just, I think that's indicative of his uh, fitness. To be honest with you, um, it, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, when they're prone to being ill, they they tend to start being ill, don't they? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he likes he likes the end of the year I'll be re- just really interested to see how he goes on so yeah I, like, like I say he's really likeable really, his attitude throughout was awesome his game was awesome absolute well deserving winner yep completely agree with all of that uh, over at the Sanderson Farms I'll be completely honest I didn't see an awful lot of it um, so Heath the Gala led for the first three rounds uh, co-led with um, Will Zalatoris after round two as well as Nick Watney Zalatoris breaking a course record for 61 on Friday um, really impressive stuff from Thagala for, you know, most of the tournament. You know, he had a, a spell between 10 and 13, I think it was, where he had those three bogeys, and uh, that cost him in the end, ultimately. Didn't get anything going much after that. But massive, massive learning curve. Like, you can't... This is going to sound ridiculous, but if he went out and just won that tournament, like, does he learn as much about himself there as he does from what he had to face on Sunday. Like, I don't know, because if he wins, it's like, okay, well, I'm young, I've won really, really early on, um, and this is what he expected of me. Whereas if he goes and loses one, he has to go and look at himself inwardly and see what see what he's got on a Sunday the next time out. And, you know, the next time, because eventually he's going to suffer, he's going to struggle on a Sunday if he doesn't the first time around. And maybe it's just a, a good learning experience. I mean, no one wants to lose, but um, having Sam Burns behind you, who's steadily climbing all week, he looked like the most likely winner basically after the second round and third round. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any real great shakes against the Gala, really. No, nothing, nothing. I mean, we'll see what happens. Can't go any wrong with, with being in the mix, can you? Enough times you'll learn from it. But, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it was one of the American tournaments, isn't it? Fair play to Burns. I, I like Burns a lot. Um, very, very play, impressive. Like, yeah, he's getting better and better, isn't mm. he? Um, yeah, again, we'll see how he goes. But, I mean, when you look down the field, I'm not knocking any of them. Um, and I'm certainly not knocking Sam Burns, you know, doing what he did 65, 67 over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot of non-winners there. Uh, you know, people who, who are just coming through. Um, you know, you look at someone like Will Zalatoris, he was disappointing, wasn't he, really, over the weekend? He was. You know, um, and, and the sort of that, that old, you know, Zalatoris, 28-1 every week, he's definitely going to win soon. That seems to have gone. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. Maybe we'll be able to pick him up at 50, 60, 80 to 1 soon. Um, he didn't do anything particularly wrong. I mean, he's finished top 15. Um but there were a number there. I think there were chances for everybody to win. Um, and ultimately, the, you know, the winner and the one that's coming through and the one that's... I mean, Cam Young, fair enough, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the others, uh, yeah, you know, the most experienced and the mo- most experienced youngster, if you like, one. I think probably the best way of doing it. And he's done it before, he's done it again. So, fair play. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think what Salazaris did was indicative of what he was doing on the corn ferry for most of last year. He was having sort of one bad round and and bouncing back from it really well and finishing the top 15, top 20 because of his good Sunday play. Um, shot a 6-8 after a 72 on sun, uh, Saturday. Really hard, obviously, to follow up a 61 anyway at any sort of circumstance. Cameron Young was, was one that I kind of mentioned as a as a potential towards the end of the last podcast because, you know, off the tee, he's really, really good. But it was Nick Watney that really caught the eye for me. Um, a lot of it was, was putting-based. Um, but... You look at his last seven starts, I think it is, he's got six made cuts in that after missing 18 in a row um, between, you know, across 2020 and 2021. So good to see him back in the mix. Hopefully it's a sign of, of things to come as opposed to a flash in the pan. Um, but like you say, a lot of a lot of corn fairy tour guys up there that are kind of, you know, grinding away and, and cutting their teeth as it were. And then you've got the other couple of, you know, people like Andrew Landry, Henrik Norlander, people that seem to pop up on these sort of leaderboards from time to time. Uh, Siwoo Kim's been pretty consistent since the Olympics as a CT Pan. Cameron Trinjali is just Cameron Trinjali at this stage. Um, yeah, he, he should it be again. Sounds like a dodgepot. Yeah. yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, he, he's he's trying to follow up a 62 on Saturday with, with, on a Sunday. It's, it's tough, but the best do it, don't they? So, you know, you can't just keep making those excuses for trying to follow up a, a low round. But yeah, Very pretty... hard, but, but fair enough. You have to do it, don't you? You do have to do it. Um, let's go over to the Open de España. John Rahm, obviously. Are we uh, not, not mentioning Long Drive Championship then? Well, I mean, you can do I mean, I didn't watch any of it, but, but Bryson... Oh, I did. You know, it's, uh... it's impressive what he's done, I think. You know, he's going to get a lot of stick for it, but he's now raised the profile of that event as well as he's doing the PGA Tour. Andy, as far as I can tell, held his own for most of it. I think he... Something like 412 yards he did, or something stupid like that, and and the guy with long hair that won it the year before won it again. So no great shakes. It was it was interesting. It was very interesting. They're absolute nutters, aren't they? Mm. Uh, they just they throw their body into these things, and to start people start saying they can now you know they're going to try and play golf. There's just no way. I, you know we've discussed <laughs> this before. It's the uh, Tony what Tony Tony Finau says. You can't do that and then come out grab a wedge and, and, and plot it 70 yards you, you just can't do it it's, it's just not the way you made so it, it was reasonable fun it was it was 
very good to see. You know, they take it so seriously. It's mm. incredible. Um, well, it's a skill yeah, in itself, I, isn't it? Um, well, it's a bit Abby Gilmore, isn't it? Does it, but, um, does it make yeah, yeah. you appreciate what Bryson can do anymore? The yeah. That he, can, that he can do that and then go yeah. and play golf as well? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a bit like Tony Knowles when he used to go over and try and win the uh, Paul, American Paul Championship. Yeah, anyway, that, that reference is beyond kids. me, but yeah, that'll be one, one for the elderly. There's one for the kids. And the other one, just to mention, I will mention, is Celine Boutier winning. Um, yeah, yeah, very uh, good. Really, to come from behind, uh, Inby Park. Bogey 363, uh, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, she was excellent. And uh, so, one in France, then played, obviously, in Solheim Cup, won that, and then has done this. So, that's, that's, that's brilliant. So, yeah, again, the American, or the LPGA is now becoming... Um, a very international um, tour, and I think I think give it another year or two. I think the LPGA is going to be incredible. And, but anyway, you know, you, you know, just before we kind of move on from that, obviously I, I saw what Boutier did, so I can I can tell from that. But you know, just the people that she beat: Brooke uh, Brooke Henderson, Jin Young Ko, Inby Park, you know, Fassi as well, Tavanatic. You know, that these are people that are have been up on leaderboards all year. Yeah, haven't they? They're, they're people that you get mentioned in every major re- preview that we've done. Um, so really, you know, really impressive stuff from her to uh, come from behind like that and, and put in that performance. I know it was it got reduced to the 54 holes, didn't it? But you know, you have to you have to do that and play with it, and she did. But yeah, moving on to the Open de España, uh, John Rahm is the nine to four favourite. Uh, we do suspect there will be a betting without John Rahm market. Um, so it, I think it's probably fair to say that anyone that we do put up uh, today is probably worth looking at those uh, in that time as well. Uh, maybe we can sort of comment on the sort of prices that we would take them at in that without market as well at the same time. But it's, it's 16 regular tour events, I think he's played in European Tour, John Rahman. He's won six of them. Um, he's won this event twice, back-to-back. It, is there... Is there any fear for you that John Rahm doesn't succeed here? Oh, there's always a, there's always a, a danger that he doesn't win or, or that he finishes too late, has one bad round. But it's just the nature of the course, isn't it? It's open. Um, there's very little rough about. Uh, it's a you know, tee to green. If you look at the tee to green stats from last year, anyway, I mean you can go back to 2008 and whatever, uh, but. I always think, you know, I, I stick to the sort of five years that you get on sort of tips because I think that's relevant to today's play and today's type of, you know, the, the way they're built and everything, to be honest with you. Uh, the game was different back then 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, although, interestingly, it was a mix of bombers and sort of players of accuracy. You know, but you've got Shah Schwartz or Ricardo Gonzalez, Alvira Kiros all up there. Um, but equally, you've then got David McGrain, Tongo JD. So it's a mix, but but you go you go back to 2019. Tita Green, um, of the top uh, 14 um, finishers, uh, Tita Green ranks were first, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, fourteenth, sixteenth, eighteenth. So uh, and off the tee of the top 11, they finished. Uh, there was first, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh. So for me, this is this is a course they're going to absolutely rip apart. Uh, length might count. Probably uh, if you look at Rama, Rafi Cabrera, Bayo last year, um, Ardra and Luce is up there. Um, but 
it's 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 a scoring course, isn't it? Par fives are gimmies. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they interviewed Gonzo. It's on one of the one of the sites. Uh, they interviewed yeah. Gonzo a few years ago, and, and they said, oh, you know, they've made it longer. Does it make a difference? He went, no. Uh, <laughs> so if he's telling you that it's going to make absolutely no difference, and John Rahm's coming here now as number one player in the world, quite rightly, even though he didn't win the trophy of uh, player of the year, which was bizarre. Um, that's, what do you want? I mean, he's. I remember Tiger turning up at Dubai one year, and Ernie was in the field, and Phil was in the field, I think, and he was around about the same price, nine to four, two one, he might have been something like that. Um, and par five comes particularly early, and I remember this. I thought, right, so I'm going to back Tiger and lay out. So I back Tiger whatever price he was fighting to on Betfair, and within 15 minutes he was odds on. Um, <laughs> And the potential for Ram to do this is... He's not, Ram isn't Tiger. Nobody is Tiger. I don't care what happens. Um, you know, he's not 100% rock solid if he hits the front early in the tournament. We've seen that already this year. Um, but quite frankly, he's, he is different gear to this lot. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say. In respect to the, the golfing quality here, it is Tiger-esque, isn't it? You're asked to pay for it. That's the problem. You're mm. asked to pay for it. Um, and it's a matter of whether you want to or not. I, I, I thought they'd bet without. I didn't think they'd bother putting him in. To be honest with you, I said I put a tweet up the other day saying, you know, you might as well bet without Ram. Uh, I'm sure they've taken plenty of money at fight two and nine and four, and and quite rightly because if he's anywhere near, he's going to be close to fight the four, eleven to ten very very early, and the big players can get out. So um, he's different gear, so he should win. But obviously we're not interested in that, are we? So we'll move down the ball. No, I think I think what you say is quite important. There is it's, this is not John Rahm coming to Valderrama and being nine to four, where anything can happen. This is John Rahm coming to a course he's already won at, which doesn't have much in the way of a defence unless the weather Say, suddenly changes. Saying that, have we had DJ this short when he was flying as number one on on the right courses? I don't, you know, it is short. Hmm. You know, it's um, you know, there were times when we said, you know, I've, I've seen DJ at what, four one nine to two, Rory at that sort of price. I admit that, you know, he is leagues above this lot when right. But like I say, you're asked to pay for it. You know, I, I, what price can you put him in? You know, if you put seven to two in or something, people are still going to take the loss on the place, aren't they? Mm. The benefit, the win, can you trade it? So what price can he be? He can, he can only be this price and uh, he should win. And if he wins by 10, it wouldn't surprise me. No, if I he mean, got beat by one, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. I think... I think when you look at the next players in the betting, Bernd Wiesberger 18 to 1, Callum Hill 33 to 1, Victor Perez Guido Bigliozzi 35 to 1, you slowly realise, you know, that is what he is and it can't be any different. Um, I'm not interested in any one of those, but the the next man up in the betting is Masahiro Karamura, and he's been flying all season long, really. I mean, we've we've talked about him a few times now. I mean, T to Green, he's been excellent for most of the year. Obviously, you mentioned how important that's going to be here. Seventh on debut. I think he played the par fives really, really well here last time. He was tenth at Valderrama, so he's got kind of that Spanish links um, there. Not not only at the the easy course that we're playing at, but the tougher course as well. If anything does get a little bit more tricky, and yeah, he's just playing absolutely superb golf. I mean, he didn't didn't do it last week, but you can't do it every week um, unless your name is John Rom. But again, even he missed a cut the last time out, so it's. I just think he's a good price. I think I think you're getting that price because John Rahm's obviously in the field and everyone expects him to win. 
But you look, he was 17th at Wentworth, 5th at the Italian Open, 21st in Crans, 16th at the Hero, and then two top fives before that as well. Um, probably all of those could have been even slightly better than they were, and I guess that's what you say about Kawamura, is he hasn't quite broken through and taken advantage of the form that he's been in. Obviously lost that showdown uh, to Bob McIntyre last year. But I just think he's a good, you know, good value, I think, because... He fits a profile of everything you want him to do. He's he's shown that he can play in Spain across two different courses, which is is massive for me. I mean, I I really do look at the location for Montour tips. Um, you know, even before finishing eighth, I think it was last year's Valder Armory finished 39th before that, and then in the lower scoring events, he was 28th in Tenerife and 23rd in Canary Islands as well, when he wasn't really in as good a nick as he is now. So for me, likes a part of the world. Um, Proven that he likes a golf course with a seventh on his debut. I suppose that there is a slight concern that he started off slowly, but he grew into it very quickly. 14th, 8th and 7th round by round. So, yeah, I like Cal Moore at 45 and 40 as well. Yeah, 13th off the tee over the last three months, but he's been doing it for a while now. 9th tee to green, 28th for par fours this year. Um, he's top 10 tee to green at Italy, which I, I actually quite like. I think you could have given it can give it a bit of a bosh there as well yep. and might be significant on what we we're about to talk about uh, you know 10th of the hero 3rd at, uh, um, at the Kazoo Open um, Canary Islands he was 10th that was a, that was a low scoring event yeah I agree I, I agree I, I, my only issue with Karen Muir obviously he's been put up by Ben yep. um, and that's taken the price I mean I think Schmidt's come out Matty Matthias Matt Ma, whatever he's talking <laughs> this week um, he's come out so that takes out you know, a few percent had the book, which may be why he shortened up as well. But uh, I liked him at the price this morning. I'm not 100% convinced that the price is now, but these claims are, you know, are pretty good. His lack of a win is, is worrying, but, um, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with it. I mean, I will live in this range at the moment, on, on you know, this 51 yes. range. Um, you know, before we come on to the player that we both, you know, love this week uh, Justin Harding for me he was 7th on his debut he's played really, really well in Spain before obviously tied 3rd at Valderrama last year back to back top 15s in Gran Canaria and Tenerife which are the low scoring um, you know nature of, of you know what we're going to see later on this week yeah I mean look he's had 5 trips in this area 7th, 3rd, 15th, 12th and 38th you know he likes it you know a bit narrower like it is this week and you know again there's no rough so that's I guess, I don't know if he likes it a bit tougher. I don't know whether maybe the, the low scoring could get away from him. Um, it obviously did when he was 7th here on debut. But for me, I just think he's a type of player that can that can keep up when he needs to. Um, you know, he has shown that in the past. Played very well in Kenya earlier to, to win. Uh, and then he should have really backed it up better than that when he finished 14th the week later. So he's had that win. He was 2nd at the Kazoo Open, ninth at the Dutch Open two starts ago. Um Nothing really doing last week, but Lynx Golf is a completely different affair. Yeah, I really like Justin Harden again. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, for me, and you've got a bit of info on uh, Sean Crocker yeah. um, after his withdrawal last week. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I look, you know, we've seen Crocker for, God blimey, what is it now? It's got to be a year now at least. Yeah, it's been... Just absolutely pounding fairways and greens. You know, um, Keep going on about it. He should have won his. They shouldn't have won. He should have contended better in, in South Africa, but nosed up his second at the par five. Uh, but Bez won. 
Um, but this year, I mean, he's uh, again last eight weeks, according to tour tips, he's second off the tee, but he's top three in the season anyway. So that shows how long he's been doing it for. He's second in tee to green, and I think he's top five off the tee for the for the tour anyway. Um, and he's second in par fives as well. Um, we all know Crocker's issue. It's just knocking those putts in. It's just it's just doing it. I mean, there's no argument. His form, it's all in front of you. Top tens everywhere. Um, he's superb off the tee. Always finds a fair way. He's superb in his approaches. It is just, you know, I don't think it's going to be difficult this week. So hopefully, he'll stay out of having to chip. And he'll just give him, you know, if he can have 18... 12 footers surely you know five or six are going to go in um and i, I can see it i can see somebody like him uh, you know perhaps you can sort of let us know about his injury yeah yeah i mean there's there's two things i go on about crocker there is that you can't ignore i mean he's basically dead last in on the tour in strokes game passing i think he's 117th or something like that um which you know you have to you have to suffer um Passing the eye test though, when I was following around all day at Wentworth on on the Sunday, he was desperately unlucky with his putts. And again, it just looks a lot worse. We say this a lot now that the guys that hit the ball the closest to the hole miss a lot more putts than the guys that make them from 70 feet when they've hit it really poorly. And you know sometimes it makes it look really bad. I mean there is no excuse in the fact that he should make more putts. You know he wouldn't be as low down as he is if he didn't. Um, but on the injury. He stepped in a hole after round one last week. Uh, the doctor suspects he's ruptured a tendon in his foot. Um, so he was meant to be having an MRI over the weekend. I haven't heard any more about that MRI. Um, but he said he was fine. So take with that what you will. Um, he's playing this week, as far as I know. He, he flew there last night, ordered today. So, yeah, I mean, there was... My only main concern with Crocker is the fact that whether he can make enough putts on a birdie fest, um, more than the fact that I'm worried about his injury, but those would be my only two sort of nauseam factors. But as I said before, any time you see Sean Crocker at 55s, 50s and around this sort of price in a European Tour event, regardless of whether John Rahm's in it or not, I think you've just got to play it because he does look primed to win at some point soon. Um, and it won't be long, I don't think, before he's on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think he deserves to get over the line, um, and, and I do hope he does. I mean, look at it. I mean, just over the last what couple of months, he's found 16 shots at the Czech, nearly 12 um, in Switzerland, six and a bit at Italy, and eight and three quarters at, um, at Wentworth. It's it's brilliant, and and it's a game that should suit round here. 68 second round here last year. I don't know what happened. So you're washed away or something on round one. Um, I just thought 55 to 1. Again, it's it's because Ram is in there. Hmm. Um, you know, take Ram out, he's 33, isn't he? Um, and then you have another think about it. But, um, yeah, I, I love the way he's playing. Uh, admittedly, there is that worry of, of his injury, but if he does turn up, I'd, I'd be happy to look at him, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I would possibly uh, wait for Valderrama, just for the fact, you know, the 26th there. And, yeah. you know, I think his ball striking can can come to the fore a bit more and maybe rest that foot another week if that is a problem um, but Jason I mean, if, if Ram I don't know if Ram's playing Valderrama but I don't suppose he will be um, and if Crocker has a halfway decent week this week he's going to be probably half that price so it, it's I guess taking the value while you can get it yeah absolutely 
Nikolai Hoygaard is the one that we obviously both uh, agree on. He, I really expected him to be a lot shorter than this, and I know, I know Ram is in the field. Um, you know, you can appreciate that. But you look at, I mean, you mentioned it before we come on, Callum Hill and Victor Perez at 33 and 35 to one. Callum Hill's won recently. Victor Perez had a very good run up for two years, but so is Nicolo Hoygaard has won the Italian Open. He's finished 20th and 14th since then. Um, probably both of those could have been better. I think it's fair to say. I think he, you know, he was he was decent without being spectacular at uh, Wentworth when tied 20th for a lot of players would, would stand out as really impressive. I think for him he probably expected more. Um, there was only a couple of shots outside the top 10 last week at the Dunhill Links. And, you know, forgetting the, just the win at the Italian Open, I mean, he was 21st and 17 building up into that. He was 14th for the Kazoo. He'd been 4th for the Canary Islands. Obviously a good positive sign for this. 15th for the Grand Canary as well. So he obviously likes his part of the world. And again, I, I always reference back to this point, but we, we had this got caught up in this kind of Rasmus Hogard pandemonium, but he was the one that finished second to Sergio Garcia at that KLM Open, you know, when they first come on, both of them, didn't they? Um, there wasn't much to split them in their amateur careers. I still think that when it's all said and done, they'll have very similar, I guess, winning profiles. I think I think Rasmus took advantage of the uh, of the easier schedule last year and the better resort courses, and, and Nikolai didn't. You know, and that's not to take anything away from Rasmus. I just think that there's... There's a closer gap between the two of them. Obviously, Rasmus is overplaying in the Shriners this week, which is going to be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, missed a cut here, didn't he, a couple of years ago, but he was 18 years of age, so doesn't really bother me. Um, and, yeah, like I said, just those kind of performances on Grand Canary and Tenerife earlier in the season kind of suggest to me that he likes the area. And I just don't get the price, mate. I mean, I think you feel exactly the same, like 50 to 1, seven places about the player that's probably outside of Ram. Uh, maybe Callum Hill, guess the most informed player, Richard Bland as well up there, same price, but they're all around this kind of 50s one range that we're talking about. I just think Nikolai Hoygaard's probably the one with the, the biggest potential, maybe. 100%. I mean, you talk about Wentworth, um, he was 10th going into the final day. Yeah. And 71 knocked him back 10 places. So it's, it's what we always say is there's, there's far more sometimes to finishing positions. Mm. Um, again, I mean, he, yeah, he's, look, what, what are they, 20? something like that, the potential for them both to play in the Ryder Cup in, in you know, next Ryder Cup, France, or, or, you know, oh, sorry, in Italy, or, or going on for the next 10 years. You know, there must be a chance that they'll both play in the same team. Um, he's just brilliant. I mean, he can absolutely give this a bosh. He'll, um, he'll be able to match any of them off the tee this week. Um, you know, he's first off the tee over the last three months. He's first tee to green over the last three months. Um, 22nd for season in Eagles, 31st for par fives, and 56 for par fours. But a lot of his stuff sometimes is, is he goes off and hits, you know, and ends up in the rough. He's not going to have to worry about that this week. No. He'll probably only have to take irons off the tee, to be fair. He won't have to take driver on most of the holes. Um, so he should be on the fairway. His approach stats are great. Um, his form is fantastic. He's living up there with as good as a European tour can put out. So, again, take the favourite out. And I think he can live with anybody. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't get it. I absolutely love him this week. I think 50s is fair. And if they bet without uh, Ram, I think we agreed something like earlier on about 28. 28, I'd still take, yeah. Whether whether we whether we will be or not, um, no. I don't know. Oh, we have to mention. Yeah, oh, we'll mention the John Ram specials at the end. So I forgot that. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I, I, I love Hogard. He's, he's playing well, and this looks perfect. It, it's it's for me, it's going to be very similar. I mean, he's um, he's gone low in um, uh, Canary Islands um, for four rounds. You know, he did uh, he hit 68 in the Grand Canary Open, um, and that and the Canary Islands Championship was um, I think the worst round was 68. I think so. He can shoot low. Enormous potential and fifty to one for me is absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, the, the other, there's probably two or three more that I kind of thought about under the hundred to one range that I kind of mentioned. Adrian House obviously is going to be yeah. a very popular selection this week, uh, and for very good reason. You know, he's it's not just last week when he was twenty fourth; he was twelfth at the Italian Open, and he's got four top eight finishes in Spain. Um, so just talking about home comforts. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, you know that they do just elevate their game when they come back here, maybe not necessarily win all the time, but he was second uh, at Valderrama, fourth here on debut, and then eighth at the Tenerife Open and fourth at the Canary Islands, which when you look at the rest of his season form, those eighth and fourth in those events kind of sticks out because he's had a pretty torrid year up until now. Um, so 50 to one is still available. I don't mind that at all. Um, like I said earlier, kind of living in this 50 to one range, um, 50 to one, six places, 45, seven places is obviously better. Uh, but yeah, I, I like him. Fabrizio Zanotti, I thought was interesting. Um, coming into a bit of form, 27th and 20th, last two starts. Plays these sort of golf courses well. Uh, finished second in this event back in 2009, obviously a long time ago. But yeah, I just think he's the type of person. And JB Hansen was another one as well. And I look at the, the location form, as I said yeah. to you earlier on, um, on tour tips, he kind of stuck out as someone that, that plays well in this part of the world. Um, like you mentioned earlier, he, well, like we mentioned in South Africa, he's, he'd broken through there last year. Um, maybe not quite at the level I think he needs to be to, to win again um, at the moment, but I thought he was decent enough in his last four starts in Spain, 4th, 17th, 7th and 22nd. Um, you know, so I was pretty impressed with that. I'm quite happy to, uh, to look at him. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's go back to some of your guys that you like in this range as well. Yeah, I think if you're going to like, and I always say, if you like Adrian Moose, you like Antoine Rosner. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rosner's obviously the winner. You know, he's won twice in Dubai. Yep. Um, quality, quality iron game. And he's right. He's back to a course that I think should suit him. Um, again, he plays very, very well in Spain. I know you like location form. He's won mm-hmm. in Spain on Challenge Tour. He's got third at uh, Valderrama, which is amazing, really. Just shows the strength of his accuracy. Um, 15th and 64 finish in Gran Canaria. Um, I really like him. I, I just think so. his game perhaps is uh, better than his results so far. I mean, Wentworth, OK. You know, he's finished 67th, but he ranked sixth with greens in red. Um, you know, it, it's a bit weird. I mean, driving distance is always a bit weird. But, uh, you know, again, he's, he's I think he's third uh, off the tee in this field over the last uh, eight weeks, according to tour tips. Mm-hmm. And that actually betters his season performance, believe it or not. So, um yeah, it shows the strength of the field outside farm, but also what he's actually doing. He's fourth tee to green in the field as well over the last eight weeks. Again, he's a surprise given his finishing efforts. So I think there's something a bit more there. And, and now he's back. You know, now he's back on a course that um, he can have a go at that's going to allow him to sort of play off the fairways every time um, and attack greens exactly like he did in Dubai. Um, our noose has been, has been back because Ben's put him up yeah. so I'll take as I think they are the uh, and the Rosner our noose twins 
I'll have Rosner over Arnoos in that regard. Um, so in that range, that was pretty much... I looked at John Catlin as well, but I think this is going to be too low scoring, despite the fact his figures suggest that... Um, it's not... He's really weird, John Catlin. I know we talk about him virtually every single week. <laughs> but he's like 15th off the tee in here, 10th yeah. tee to green, 18th in par fives. And yet, we don't see him winning a tournament where the winning score is 25, 26 under. We just can't see it. No. So it's really, really strange. Um, but obviously, we've got the big one coming up next week. Um, our 101st episode. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe it'll be worth watching him and seeing what he does with his short game and his accuracy this week because he goes to defend, obviously, his biggest title, really. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think going, sort of going back to Rosner is that you know, he's a bit more volatile, I suppose, than, than most and, and he's hard to probably get right because his game, you, you think it sort of suits Birdie Fest, which he will do this week, but he can also, like you say, play well at Valorama, play well in tough you know, events as well. So never, I think it's really hard to pinpoint where he's going to play well. He just he just does it when he does it and it's no surprise, I don't think. He's just that type of player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like the value on Rosner pretty much every week. Like you say, you're, you're getting a player with a similar skill set with a much better profile than Arnaus, so you know it depends what way you're looking at, don't you? Are you expecting Arnaus to break through and Rosner to regress to the mean, or you know it depends which mm. which way you look at it, don't you? Um, yeah. Will kind nine neighbor, I thought was interesting. Um, coming back into a bit of form now, you know we know what his profile is. It's it's give it a bash and go and find it and hit it again. Um, that will probably work here, as we've mentioned, we alluded yeah. to with others. You know, twenty second at Dutch Open, thirty six for the Dunhill Links when he's you know had a bit of freedom with the driver. But again, you know, we, we keep seem, seem to keep saying the same thing about these guys at the moment. He was sixth at Valderrama, where you, you really wouldn't expect him to play well, and he shot seventy six, I think it was on the Saturday, and only finished three shots shy of the winner. So, which was John Catlin, as you mentioned. So I, I think the hundreds won about him. I think he's someone that's been, I think, easy for me to oppose recently. Um, and people sort of just fell in love with his golf game, rightly so, because they've all seen it on the PGA Tour recently, and they've they've watched him make these 350-yard drives and getting close to pricing, etc. Um, and now maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't suggest that this is a good event for him because it's the Open de España, and Spain typically goes to sort of these ball strikers. But yeah, I mean, like you've said, the rough's down, and and why not? So I thought he was interesting at 100 to one, and then. Maximilian Kiefer just absolutely loves Spain. Like we are, we're probably talking about Maximilian Kiefer every time an event is in Spain. Um, but he had that second didn't he, where he lost in the playoff to Jacqueline where they were playing for about 800 hours. Um, I think he's had a fifth, a ninth, a twelfth, a fifth, seventeenth, and a second since then in Spain as well. Uh, we've only sort of three missed cuts, which is pretty impressive for someone of his calibre, um, considering he's not you know the highest profile player on the European tour when you can just see him playing to the standard he is and it's always in the same part of the world. If he's going to win, you'd expect it to be here or somewhere in Spain. 15th for the Dutch Open two starts ago, 27th in Italy, 21st for the Kazoo. So there's been some signs. He was second at Grand Canary event, wasn't he? Um, to Garrett Higo, who, you know, blew everybody away. But Kiefer shot a 62 on that Sunday to, to Higo's 63. He just left a bit more to do after the Saturday round. So... Yeah, really like Maximilian Kiefer at 175 to one, and then the other one was uh, Skio Seagrest. He's just got a bit of potential about him. Um, showed signs in Spain, 12th in Tenerife, 22nd in Canary Islands. He was 17th at Valderrama last year, 
despite opening with a 77. And he was third in Andalusia match play on the Challenge Tour as well. So those would be my kind of outsiders. I do think that 50 to 1 range is, is where I want to exist um, outside of John Rahm. I don't think we're going to be looking for 300 and 500 to 1 winners, but we can come on to that a little bit later on. Um, and maybe we look at some sort of trade potential players there. But um, any more for you in the 100 to 1 range? Uh, Francisco Laporta was yep. quite interesting back on a conventional track away from the links, uh, in Italy, six in feet at the uh, Wentworth. But he, he was really impressive. I thought he was striking the ball absolutely beautiful. Obviously, he had a chance to win um, at both. Um, didn't do it, but he has won in Spain on the big final of the Challenge Tour in Spain. Um, can go low. Obviously, he's, he's in and out. But the way he's striking the ball, if he can get over... Um, what happened last week in the wind and rain at St Andrews then thought he might go well at 125 yeah. similarly a, a bounce back to form for Daniel Gavings last week um, potential you know he was given the uh, tournament in Ireland when uh, Jordan Smith and David Horsey basically let him in um, you can't knock the fact that he went 65-66-65 for, fi- uh, for the final three rounds to win that um, like we discussed earlier he went missing uh, on Saturday um, at the links um, and then came again came again at St Andrews on slightly better conditions on Sunday but I was just impressed I, I thought when he was good he, he did look quite impressive um, don't know whether this is his course or not I haven't got a clue to be honest with you I uh, just thought the way he's playing under 75 was okay and if we were going to throw a couple there's always um, somebody Spanish that comes in and, and sort of surprises you really um, if we were going to do that then Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez who flashed up a couple of times during lockdown um, can go low um, his twin older twin uh, Pablo Larathabal obviously you have to talk about if you're playing in Spain he could do anything and I think he's actually playing slightly better than his results he's a big price and Elvira Quiroz who's another one who, who could pop up and uh, uh, you know, do slightly better but can I, can, can I see any of those topping jolly absolutely not uh, and as we talk about him Sky better doing his winning margin so anybody that wants to take 9-4 about John Rahm he's 7-2 to two to win by 2 or more shots and 6-1 to one to win by 3 or more which coupled is around about give or take um, is about the oh god I've lost it what did I say it was 3-1 no it's not 3-1 it's not 3-1 it's about 5-2 isn't it yeah it's about 5-2 to two. um but you can do that and then you can have a little bit on Ram to win by four or more eight to one uh, just to boost your win I think if Ram wins he definitely wins by two or more um, and I think you can, you, as I say you can just about no, I mean, look, the safe one for me is seven to two to hmm. win by two or more shots I'd rather have that than nine to four and I'd be quite happy with that because I think if he wins he does definitely win it by that um, but we will wait for the you know the um, without market I think although couple of what we've mentioned they're not going to beat Ram if he's right we know that if he's 100% he wins finished yep. game over but you know this is golf isn't it it uh, doesn't work like that naturally on this show we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments but you know who else focus on these two areas as well Manscaped Manscaped took their lawnmower 4.0 product 
and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. A couple of names, I guess, that will sort of look at people that, you know, just in this big 300, 200, whatever price range. Um, one person that sort of came up, just give me a yes or no answer on these guys. Thomas Aiken appeared last week. I wrote about him on my, on my newsletter. He finished tied 24th at the Dunhill Links. This is his first top 25 since October 2019. Um, don't think he's made a cut all year. Um, but he shot 68 on Sunday, it was his best round of the week, and shot no worse than 72. And he finished 23rd here in 2019. Any love for uh, a three-time winner, Thomas Aiken? No, he was raving when he was all right, and uh, you're not sure he's all right now. So no. Disappeared. What about Hao Tong Lee returning to form last week? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, hmm. wasn't he? Um, there was no dodgy videos know. of him on the range? Was that one swallow does not, you know, doesn't make a summer? I think you know? that's probably the, the Lynx Don't effect. Know. He's an outstanding player, isn't he? Yeah. Um, be interested. Justin Waters. Uh, another one, isn't he? Totally raving. Um, I could see him. I could see him getting placed, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he feels like the type of person that just places more than maybe you expect him to. I mean, he probably doesn't if you look back at his figures, but he always seems to be there or thereabouts, seems to shoot a low round each week, so it'd be interesting. Zander Lombard, tied seventh here. Yeah, big hitter. Big hitter. People have been waiting for him to come back to form, haven't they? Um, never really reached his potential, has he? No. But again, this is this is the type of course that... Same thing can be said up. for Burmester, sorry, though, until now. 100%. Absolutely. Good call. Uh, who else have we got down here that could be worth? Gavin Green. Well, very egregious, isn't he? Cannot hit a um, <laughs> a stable ball, can he? At the moment, he can't. Um, you know, but you know, I, again, it's, if if he's going to come back to form, this is this is exactly what he wants. I mean, I can't see it, but yeah, if he can get a thousand on bet there, you know. Shove a shekel on it. You mentioned uh, Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez earlier. I'll throw in Eduardo De La Riva as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's always one. I mean, you go back and there's always, you know, two, one or two Spaniards that that contend going into payday that you just don't know how they've done it, and it's the home effect. It always is in Spain, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's always happened, and, and it shall continue to do so. I would imagine. Well, it was Samuel Del Valle last time, wasn't he? he was third behind yeah. Ram and uh, Cabrera Bello to make it for four Spaniards in the top six players so two, the other two are Danish so that's an interesting uh, interesting break up there maybe Jeff Winter can break it up again after performing decently last yeah, week do you know what do you know what absolutely <laughs> I, I agree I, 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 if somebody wants to put Jeff Winter up I'll, yeah I can see it there we go um, happy with all of that on the Open Deer Spaniard anything else you wanted to mention 
No, I think I think we, it, it's pretty much covered. I think it's eleven to four actually. The uh, the combined for for Ryan. But anyway, either way, a seven to two for him to win by more than two is is it, that that for me. If he was going to cover your bet with Ron, that that for me is the bet to have. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is like it's very possible, as you said right at the top, that we could be doing all this talking about this golf. Uh, event and John Rahm just blitzes it, um, which I think is probably why we don't dive too much into course corollary. It's not, it's not an event that there's been an awful lot of course form or recent course form. Um, so I don't think there's massive pointers. I think that back in the day, you know, 2008 or whatever it was, there there was massive pointers leading up to that from previous course form. So whether the 2019 leaderboard holds up um, remains to be seen. But like you say, it's a, a completely different style of golf now. Um, and we'll just see who carries that over. But going from a very clear-cut favourite to the Shriners Open, where the market has no idea really who's going to win it. I mean, Victor Hovland's twenty to one, Brooks Kepka's twenty-two to one, Abraham Answer and Scotty Scheffler uh, twenty-five to long, twenty-five to one, along with Sam Burns who won last week. Um, and then you've just got a plethora of players at twenty-eight: Webb Simpson, Will Zalatoris, Hideki Matsuyama. Louis stays and, and Kevin Nahr. Um Off the bat, I suppose, as you know, just mention how impressive Sam Burns has been. I think he can reach top ten in the world if he wins this week or goes close. Um, but any, I think for me, which which is strange for me, Abraham Answer would be the one of this group um, at twenty five to one that made some appeal, considering he's got two fourth place finishes at this golf course and is a winner now. But other than that, I found it quite. Not easy to, to oppose these, but happy to look further down. Yeah, I mean, form repeats and repeats and repeats here, doesn't it? You know, Martin Laird, for example, two wins and second. Kevin Nahr won two. Alex Checker, yeah. second twice. Kent Lee, first, second, second. Go back to Stuart Appleby. You know, and they all seem to have form um, at either Scottsdale for the Phoenix or Muirfield. Um, so that's that's what I looked at. You know, you read the players' comments, they're, they, you know, they... They say yes, you know it's a very scorable course, but you have to hit the fairway. Um, hitting the fairway allows you to control the ball for the greens because the greens can be in funny positions. Um, so that's what I looked at. I looked at driving accuracy, greens in regulation, um, and try to get something backing up with, uh, if I could, with Phoenix or Muirfield. Um, as I said to you earlier, I've got Barracuda written down. I haven't written the reason why, so it must be one. <laughs> but um, that's that's the way I played it I agree with answer um, he's extremely accurate uh, he used to be the best par 3 player um, on the course but you know whether or not he is he's, in, he's improved again got his win um, at St Jude um, at the FedEx and, and, and there we are he's you know he's one of the top players in the world whether he can I think we've had this conversation before whether we, we'd rather be on him at 66 to 1 hmm. in a in a full top class field than we would be at a shorter price so respect to him but he, he, he looks short to me Hovland, um, Hovland looks short to me yeah. Kepka I, 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 uh, you can't you can't judge them on what you think of them I think you're plonker but um, uh, you know he's, he's unreliable for me at the moment Scotty Sheffield I don't think this is his type of course um, he's a bomber isn't he he might, he might be better off if he'd come over to uh, Spain, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think he would have done all right. Burns is interesting, as you rightly say. Definitely improver. And then and then we go down. I mean, Zalatoris, 
you know, take or leave. Um, your man, Kevin Nah, I suppose, would be the pick. Of yeah, the, I really like Kevin Nah. I think, I think when you just look at Kevin Nah, he just, like you say, he repeats form, doesn't he? And he's got a couple of wins here. He's he plays well in Vegas in general. Obviously, he resides there. Um, and I think you know, just just the way he's been playing is absolutely phenomenal. I think. The thing is, like you just said about Answer and and others there, I, I guess I'd probably just wait for them both to be sort of sixty to one in a in a bigger event because it this is there's pretty high quality. I mean, Hovland, Kepka, Answer, Sheffield, Burn. You know, there's there's a lot of the top names here, so I don't think they'd have to go an awful lot better to beat. You know, you add in I suppose DJ and Rahm, it starts to get interesting. But I don't think there's much in it. I think I'd probably rather just take a flyer on them winning because I think they're capable of winning any sort of event, those guys. Um, Brooks Kepka, obviously, you, you mentioned the, the Phoenix link. He's obviously won that twice, I guess. So oh. there is that. Obviously, Webb Simpson's won Phoenix and come second there and, and done the same here. So there's a definitive link. Um, for me, I just I kind of went further down. Uh, my first picks came in the, the 45 and 51 range. So is there any short for that for you? Uh, no, there isn't. No. 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 So, Siwoo Kim for me was, I wouldn't like to say standout because I actually wrote a question mark next to him and I wrote down my notes, but he's been 15th, 55th, and 8th here. But he's been in really good form um, ever since that Olympics. And I, I sort of, again, we, we you know, you, I, I mention and speculate things, and then you rightly say that we can't speculate on what goes on in their heads when we don't really know. But he just seems to have freed up since that Olympics. I think now he's realised he. He can't get away with the military service. I think he's just trying to cash while he still can. I mean, he had the second at the Wyndham Championship, 29th at the BMW in the playoffs, and then 11th at the Fortinet and 8th at the Sanderson Farms uh, last week. 71 in round two, ruined three 66s. So he was only three shots high. And that, I thought that was, you know, basically winning form, impressive form for him, having that and a second place finish in recent starts. Um, and, and he's got that decent finish here with the 15th on, uh, on his debut and the 8th most recently. So I thought 45 to 1 was pretty decent on him. I know there's, I guess, a stronger field than, than you normally get at this event, but he's shown that the level of golf that he plays in doesn't really bother him. It's just if he if he's right and he feels good. I think the trouble is with me is that whenever I seem to think Siwoo Kim is, is right and it's a good time to back him and he comes in this 45 to 1 number, I tend to get straight on at him because it looks big when he's in good form and he actually performs better at 100 and 150 as well Harry Hill was here he'd go Sanjay Im Siwoo Kim <laughs> you've got to have a system right <laughs> I've got I've got no idea what either of them are going to do they could win any of them could win by five and I don't know I don't know so I'll leave, I'll leave them both to Siwoo Kim you like a lot I know one of our guests uh, Martin Sundog Monkey likes Siwoo Kim a lot as well but most weeks, so I'd be interested to see what he puts up. Yeah, can't argue with you. It's one of them events, isn't it? I'd certainly rather be on him than Cameron Tringali after the weekend. Yes, I mean, Cameron Tringali, so, ironically, I was, someone was asking me for, they did a last man standing tournament, they were asking me to put someone in that could make the cut at the uh, the Sanderson Farms, and the, the, yeah, there's a whole list of tournaments that, that come up afterwards that you need to, you need one to make a cut at the Sanderson Farm, two to make the cut this week, and then it goes on top 10, top 20 winner I was like, well, you might as well just put Tringali in to make the cut this week because you're not going to use him to to win or to top 10. Um, you wouldn't want to pin your hopes on that. And then for one part yesterday, I thought he was flying up leaderboard. And then, uh, you know, he shot at 62 on, on Saturday as well. But, yeah, it just... We know what Cameron Tringali is at this, uh, this you know, place in his career. Unfortunately, because I think he's a, 
he's a guy that's probably served his sentence and probably deserves a win. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, and certainly not in this class of field, I don't think. But um, someone on a completely different end of the scale in terms of their career, Matthew Wolf, I think is being forgotten about pretty quickly because he had those couple of months off. Um, yes, he's got sort of mental health issues, I guess. Um, struggled, got a bit anxious. It's a lot for a 21-year-old or 22-year-old to, to take on the, the early success that he had, a win and contended a major championship so early on in his career. 45-1, to 1, eight places about an event where he's finished second and 18th. At, obviously lost in that playoff to Martin Laird. 17th last week. And I've written down here that he's a, a generational talent. I don't know if that's maybe a bit strong. Um, but he was he was right up there when you know when Hovland and Morikawa and all that come out. It was, it was the three of them, wasn't it? And and we went through that little stage where every week you thought the other one was better than the other. And Morikawa, I think's built a little bit of separation between the three of them now. But I think Matthew Wolf is still up in there. I think he's still got plenty of time on his side. I think he's one person that's not being mentioned for Paris because you know he, there's so many good other candidates. Not Paris, sorry. Uh, Italy, Rome in, in two years' time to ride a cup. Um, but, you know, I just think he's the type of player that's got potential to do anything. And 45 to 1, eight places on a golf course that he's finished, you know, second and 18th out in two starts, I thought was pretty good value. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan, to be honest here. But, uh, but what, yeah. what is that? Is, that? is that because you don't believe in the ceiling of Matthew Wolf? No, he's, he's inconsistent. Been, no, I mean, he's. Look, look we, as you rightly say, you've, you've said who he was, you know, who he grew up with, um, who he was compared to, and and that's absolutely fine. I, yeah. I'm just, to me, I'm just not I'm not the biggest fan. I, I I concerned about quite a lot of what he does on the course, um, and I'm not entirely convinced when he's in contention. Uh, not saying anything's wrong with him at all, but just at the price, I'm I'd be quite happy to leave him. I mean. First one up, that I thought was interesting, but won't be. I don't think I'll play. Is Eric Van Ruyen, who's the same price as Wolf. Hmm. Um, his improvement over the last, well, since the FedEx become. I know we've got to take these figures um, with a pinch of salt, given that um, obviously we've got the shortened fields. Um, but you know, he. We saw him at the BMW when he was trying to get into the final event. You know, worked his absolute nuts off to hit that 65. In the final then came out and finished 16th in the in the actual finale, the Tour Championship. But his figures are great. I mean, you, you, we balance the the fact there were only 30 players and there were only however many were at BMW. Um, but you're still when you're ranking first, second, third, fourth, you're still ranking ahead of the best players in the game. Hmm. So whilst yeah, you know, you can have a, a hundred man field, of which 60 of them are crap anyway. Um, so you're really only talking about 40 players that you really count anyway. So um, I've been really impressed. His figures and his play over the last, whatever it is, last two months have been have been excellent. His driving actually has been the best since um, since August. His driving actually has been absolutely superb. Same as his greens and regulation. His short game's absolutely fine. I'll be interested to see what he does. I'm sure he's been doing something. I did look up because I think we I sort of spotted Van Ruyen when uh, we were talking earlier on. So hmm. I haven't looked up what he's been doing. He must have been playing skins or he must be playing something. Um, so I've no idea what sort of form he's in, but he was of interest. But the other one was, I think, Twitter darling. I think is uh, Mito Pereira. Yeah. Um, we talk about the uh, the graduates, and 
he's actually doing it, isn't he? Yeah. You know, third, third at the fault in it. Um, 31st could have been slightly better at the Sanderson farm last week. Um, big hitter. Very, very accurate with his irons. I mean, look at his tee to green. So he's had two tournaments uh, on the PGA Tour as a full PGA professional. He's found uh, over 11 shots at the Fortinet net or whatever it used to be called. Um, Safeway, wasn't it? Um, yep. So he's found that and he's ranked first. He's ranked second for approaches. Uh, and then last week at the Sands and Farm, he found eight and a half. So he ranked fourth for tee to green and fourth for approaches. He's also a big hitter. He shouldn't have to take driver too many times this week. If he can play that tee to green game and approach game, he's going to give himself enormous amounts of uh, of chances on the greens. And and as we always say, it's it's about it's about what they can do on the greens and getting used to it. I, I thought there might be a point where Pereira Pereira might win before everybody else, just because the sort of form he's in. And then you're in trouble trying to find sixty to one for the next three months. I so think, Pereira's where I started the card. I think that and the fact that he. He was so popular last week, wasn't he? At about twenty-eight and thirty-three to one, but and finished was it thirty-first? I think he was. But that's a, I think that's a good thing. It sounds ridiculous, but he, he was fourth in the field with his irons in strokes gained approach. You mentioned um, the rest of his game didn't really click, and he still finished thirty-first. And I think when that's a really good sign for someone that was missing parts of his game, and now he's coming in. At, you know, we, we've mentioned it earlier with, with people taking him at prices that seem slightly inflated. You took twenty-eight to one this last week. I think if you if you backed Mito Pereira last week, you should have to back him this week. Is mm. is the way I think about it because I know I know there's a lot more competition at the top of the field, and I know why he's sixty to one. It's not because he played poorly last week. It's because the increased level of competition. But we see time and time again that, and again the field strength's a bit stronger this time. But we see from time to time that this is not won by the favourite. You know, we, we see long odds win it all the time. Um, it's that type of golf course where anyone can kind of get hot and make birdies and, and get on a run. Um, and, and that was the same thing with, with Matthew Wolf. I felt that if you were, there was a lot of people on Matthew Wolf last week because he was 60-1 at the Sanderson Farms. And I think if you're on that, I think after he's finished 17th at a course that doesn't suit him as well as this does, I think you should probably take him at 45s. But that's a, maybe a different separation to, uh, conversation. But, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said about Mito Pereira. I think... Pereira will want, sorry, Pereira will want to be... Uh, the t- take part in the top Chilean debates that we have <laughs> so you've got top Chilean versus top Mexican uh, markets now that's it but um, there we go yeah it's going to be top South American from now on but that's it yeah top South yeah that's yeah, yeah that's a better way of putting it yeah um, Kevin Strillman you mentioned to me earlier I like Strillman I was I was watching him last week because um, obviously you know he has the form here um, and I he's just that sort of player that I think no, nobody really backs, do they? Uh, you know, if he has one good tournament, then he goes quite short the week after. I think we, we've noticed this over last year. And everyone just forgets about him. Um, he was tied 31st last week, again, alongside Pereira. I actually was watching him and thought he'd go... Um, he'd sort of hit level fours for the week. Um, and then end up... I don't know why. Just seemed the sort of play that would do that. <laughs> um, he's got the memorial form. Um, OK, you have to go back when he was fourth. Um but interesting last week when he was hitting four unders, he eighty percent of the greens in reg, um, and on his final round he hit only sixty-seven, which is you know it's obviously the reason why he, he sort of couldn't hit another four under. Um, he takes part in the driving accuracy top ten, top twelve, in the driving accuracy figures over the last three months. Uh, this is on the course. This is on the the tour, by the way. 
not just um, the event. Yeah. Um, and Green's in reg, I think he's also top 15 on tour. So that instantly was where I was looking to make it simple. He's got the memorial form. He's in form. He's playing well. Um, yeah, I like Spielman. So um, I, only at 70, 75. I'm not sure I'd go particularly low in that for him. I think Pereira's a better bet. He's much more progressive. Pereira's that sort of player that's a bit like Nikolai Hogard on the other side. Um, whereas I think their potential and their, their, you know, their best is yet to come. Obviously, we know what Strillman's going to do. Uh, but, it, you know, he fits in with that sort of, you know, Rod Pampling, Webb Simpson type of winner that's won here before, I think. Martin Laird, you know, it's that type of that type of player, that type of steady player that would continually find greens in regs. Yeah, I just thought he was, he was a little bit overpriced. overpriced. I'm pretty sure I spoke, because he was second here, wasn't he, 2014. I'm pretty sure I spoke to him about this week when he lost out to Ben Martin here. Um, he opened with a 71, then followed it with 67, 63, 65 to lose by two. So I'm pretty sure there's something in that podcast that suggests what he said something, and I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was, so go back and listen to that. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about what he said on that, that interview was that he pretty much thinks he can contend everywhere, anywhere as long as his putter's working. Mm. So I think that's probably true for most of these guys, but... He does strike me as a type that, I mean, we've spoken to him about it before, about Kevin Strillman, that when he gets in the mix, I think he's he's pretty good. Obviously, he's only won those two events, but he could have won a decent amount more. He's a you know, wily veteran. He's been around a long time. He knows where he's going to play well, and, and he turns up to those yeah. events. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, we know, we know. So we, we look at him at Charles Schwab, Travelers, all that type of linked event. Um, but again, you know, you look at tour tips. It, it's it's not only the se- you know the season stuff or the last three months. Very recently, you know, last week he was second driving accuracy, third in greens and red. That pays beautiful here. You know, back at the Wyndham, third in driving accuracy, led greens and red. You know, even in our Open, he was top twenty mm. for both those stats. I mean, it was a benign conditions, but she's fine because that's what that's what they're going to get on the PGA Tour most of the time. Memorial, which I you know I do like. Um, second in driving actually 11th in greens it all fits lovely for here it's just that whether you catch Strillman on one of his weeks um, I'll take it that this week is one of them yeah no, I like that I like that a lot um, sort of going back to sort of plug in the the newsletter obviously one that I, that I do every week now Pat and Kazaya I put in my biggest losers part of the column um, for this week and the reason being that he was sat in a tie for 7th with Gary Woodland who was also in the, the biggest losers column uh, after round one, and then took 11 more strokes to shoot a 78 on Friday to miss the cut by a decent amount. And I said that he would have liked to have had those sort of weekend rounds to come into an event like this where he's had two top four finishes. But I also said at the end of that that the missed cut might have helped his odds, and here he is at 100 to one. Um, so I think there's there's a bit of interest there. Um, I mentioned Sahith Thagala being the, the biggest winner of the week in the sense that obviously he did guess chuck it away but I don't think there's any way you can replicate the experience that he had and I think the 100 to 1 with 8 places is still pretty decent you know this is a guy that Jason we've, we've spoken about plenty of times since he sort of come out from Pepperdine he was one of the five players ever that have won those three awards in the same year the Haskins, Nicholas and, and Hogan award so he's obviously a special talent I think he spoke on Saturday when he said, you know, you're going to go into Sunday with a lead in the PJ Tour event. And he said, yep, yeah, feels like it's fake. So I think he he kind of felt the pressure already just after that interview. And, and it did tell, but he had a, a really good person chasing him. So 
I'll be interested to see where you know Kazaya and Thigala come into things here. Um, and then I've just got a couple of long shots really. I mean Pat Perez is 125 to one. When he makes the weekend here, he plays incredibly well. He's been seventh and third in his last three starts here. Um, he had a 16th at the Northern Trust, which is better than it looks, as you mentioned, being a playoff event. 11th at the 3M, 14th at the Rocket Mortgage, and 10th at the Palmetto. So he's been playing some good stuff. Likes Vegas, as as only Pat Perez probably would. Um, the concern is that he maybe gets a little bit tuned up before he uh, comes into the field. But the other long shot for me was Sam Ryder. Um, he's at a third and 18th here between two missed cuts. He shot 73 on the final day here in 2019, which cost him a top 10. But he shot 65 and a 64 that week and was inside the top six in three of the four rounds. Um, 13th, 8th and 36th, the last time he's made the cut in strokes gain approach. And he's 250 to 1 with eight places. So I think that was pretty decent value. Um, you mentioned Ches Reeby to me earlier. And I did this thing where I kind of looked at tour tips. Because I'm pretty guilty at, you know, when you look at the strokes gain approach numbers and off the tee numbers and you just see MC and you don't really look any further into what they actually shot that week because it was just a miscut. And if you actually go into the in play stats, you sort of see what they did, don't you, for, for the two rounds that they yeah. were playing. Um, and I think that's a, a really important place to look because Ches Reby was actually pretty high up, I think, with his strokes gain approach. Let me just find. The numbers here, I did have it written down, but I didn't prepare quite as easily as I, as I thought I did. Uh, Ches Reeve, was 19th with his irons after round one and fifth uh, on day two. He gained over three strokes in approach uh, on day two. So his irons were absolutely fine, weren't they? He's going to return to a golf course that he likes. You know, he's got that link with the uh, the Phoenix Open as well. So I think you, you sort of mentioned Ches Reeve and I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he leads the field in, or leads the tour in driving, actually, hmm. over the last three months, according to tour tips. And he's just outside the top 25, so he's inside the top 20 for the field in greens in red. Um, look, no, no one's going to say that, that Reeve's going to be um, somebody you're going to have your, your kahunas on. Um, but I think we've put up Reeve a couple of times at big prices. Um, and I think he's done, we've certainly done the job once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I. I Look, that, that's what I looked at. at the end of the day. That's what I looked at. It was it was about accuracy. It was about greens in reg. Um, but also, he's got a second and fourth in Phoenix. Um, he's got a 22nd at Muirfield. Um, and that was with a 79 final round this year. So, again, it's one that you, you have to look past the current figures. But what he's actually doing on the course fits perfectly with this track. Um, and 100, again, like I say, 151, I'm really not... You know, I'm really not worried to be honest with you. Um, I'll take the chance that this is somewhere, like you say. I mean, we're talking, we're talking uh, the likes of Smiley Coffin, um, Ben Martin has one here, Rob Pamping, okay, Pamping's one of you. Um, you know, there are bits. You know, Alex Checker always turned up here, so I took the chance. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I haven't got a clue, but you, you've rightly pointed out the um, how he was playing last week when he missed the cut. Yeah. That comes off a top 30 at the 40 net. I'll take the chance at 150. Again, I think it's... And I spoke about this with Danny Willett last week in the sense that mm. it's a bit of hidden form, isn't it? Like, you look, and he, he missed the cut last week, OK? But, as we just mentioned, really good with his irons. 28th and 31st before that. 31st came in a playoff event, so probably better than it sort of first appears. 11th back at the 3M. 18th for the John Deere. 14th for the Palmetto. 
he doesn't he's not the type of golfer that can compete every week. He doesn't he doesn't have that ability. He's not a golfer that can just tee up and, and play wherever he wants. So you have to target the sort of events that you think he can perform at. He's got those two top finishes at the Phoenix Open. He's played well enough in here in the past. That if you like anything about someone at 150 to one, you know why not give him a go? I think there's there's plenty of um, sense in doing that. I mean that's again that's what I do when when there's you never want to say someone's a throwaway bet because then that just means you don't you don't have any sort of confidence in them at all. But just when it gets this level, I mean, what's he going to be on on Betfair later on in the week? Two fifty maybe if no one yeah. puts him up. Like, I mean, he's got trading. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, I mean, it's sixty-one round here. Is it sixty-four round here? Like, look, look, look uh, three figures. You're looking at somebody to just. We say it every time. It's it's just getting a couple of holes right each round. That's all it is. You know, these these guys aren't hitting 78, 83. You know, they're hitting 71, 72. You're, you're talking about one chip shot. You're talking about a more accurate iron shot. You're talking about a putt going in. That's all you're talking about over two or three holes. That's it. Um, and you've got to judge their overall profile, I think, for the suitability of the course. And he fits, you know. That's, it makes perfect sense. Talk to us why you're... you're... Persevering with Grayson Sig. Uh, that's Skyler's fault. <laughs> uh, Skyler picked that Guido and, and has been very well rewarded this year. Um, I'm actually looking at Hayden Buckley as well, hmm. who played really well over the weekend. Very impressive. And, and yeah, and he's um, his three figures as well this week. Um, and he obviously finished the um, Corn Ferry off very well as well. So, but Grayson Sig, I'm, I'm just going to back Grayson Sig every single week until he wins. Uh, because he is look you've had people like Pereira that have come through obviously Buckley's done done his job but isn't quite as sexy yet as, and we see him every year though most of them just off they go don't they hmm. uh, but I think you were saying Grayson Sieg I certainly know somebody that's been in the Corn Ferry for the last couple of years was back in Sieg when he wasn't winning to be honest with you <laughs> um, it, look I, I can't tell you anything other than I think he's hugely promising I think he will win on the tour and at 275, I've got five years. <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? He's not going to be 275, obviously, because he's going to get a couple of top 10s and he'll end up being sort of 66, 80. But while he is 275, I'll, I'll stick him in because there's no ceiling to his progress at the moment. Very much like Pereira. I think Pereira's a much better bet, obviously. But Pereira's five times shorter price. Yeah, I think it all has to go into, uh, into consideration, doesn't it? It has to be factored in. Um, I've already mentioned Sam Ryder down here. Nick Watney, we've touched on a couple of times. Um, T2 finished last week, six making cuts in the last seven. Vegas resident, uh, he's got three top tens here and a further two top seat, 16 finishes. Um, slight concern that it was basically fueled by a hot putter last week. That was that was apparent. Um, but I thought the same about Henry Stenson when he was on his little run and he, he backed it up with another decent finish. So... You know, really classy player in his day. He's, he's well up there in the PJ Tour money list. You know, he, this is the sixth of seventh events where he's he's made the cut, so it's not a flash in the pan now. He's He looks to be building back to something of his best. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I don't know. I guess he's probably going to get put, put up a couple of times so maybe don't get a big price on Betfair, but if he did go out, I'd be interested in him. And, and the other one I mentioned earlier on Twitter is Jimmy Walker. I'd be interested to see what happens oh, to yeah. him. Yeah. Because... Yeah. 
again, the trouble with Jimmy Walker is it's not actually talent. He's had uh, he's had Lyme disease, which is a uh, is a horrible disease. It basically just saps all the energy out of you. He's then had COVID earlier on this year. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he was one of the non-believers and didn't really look after himself. But he was seventh with his irons last week. He's played pretty well here in the past. He was I think he was five hundred to one on Betfair at the time of me putting that tweet out. He's now. 400 and something which is nothing to do with me so I'm not even going to try and claim that but I, th- I think you know the fact that he was 7th with his irons last week we know he's got the cave we know what the upside of Jimmy Walker is don't we you know he was 6th at the Memorial earlier on in the year 11th at the 3M 45th last week okay isn't great but again we've, we've mentioned so many times with these picks that there's a bit of hidden form he shot a 66 in round 2 and then he shot a 72 in round 4 to kind of fall away from the top 35 so it, it depends how you look at the form. If you think that he can come here and do it, which I'm pretty sure he can at least. he's Realistically, he's more of a top 10, top 20 bet, I think. Um, but he's got enough of a name profile, Jason, that if, if you take him at 500 to 1 and he's in the lead after 36 holes, he's going to go down to a reasonably decent price, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't remember what... I can't remember put him up along with Martin Laird last week. Uh, last year, sorry. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I do think Wal- uh, Walker's injuries and, and illnesses are, you know, Lyme tease and, and, and everything has probably taken its toll now. And that's yeah, that's probably the end of him. I mean, it's, it's in it, the best of him is definitely in his rear view, isn't it? But I just, oh, that, that, these yeah. these guys can just pop at any given week, can't they? And when he's 500 to 1, I'll, I'll give him a go. Um, talking to people that can pop at any time, Jason, before we kind of wrap up with a few other long range selections. I mean, Martin Laird's 160. He is. He is, and which that, is that, ridiculous I mean, when he's won it twice. If anybody's ever seen that bunker shot from last year, which is just... Got a sun dog shared it early, didn't he? He could do it if he tried. Yeah, he could do it if he tried. What do you need to see from Martin Laird? Because he never seems to come into like a but really see, hot run of form, does he? No, but again, again, he's... You know, he's missed the cut last three times. Yeah, He's hit 68, 70, 73, 69, 69, 71. Hmm. He now goes back to a course that he loves, conditions that he loves. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like he's not missed the cut by by playing particularly badly. You know, OK, relatively, he's obviously outside the cut line, 75, whatever it is. But he's, he's got three sub-70 rounds in six, and the worst round he's hit is 73. Yep. And, and you're looking at the um, you're looking at the Northern Trust for that. So you're looking at people, you know, obviously attempting to go forward on the FedEx. So he, he's, you know, you go back to St Jude. He's on 68, 69, 69, 77. I don't have the right sheet up at the moment to see where he was after three rounds. You'll be quicker, Tom, because you're you're used to that. Um, where was he at the end of three rounds at St Jude? For example, two seconds. I'm hoping you're going to say something like 25th, but you know, hopefully you do. <laughs> he was 24th after 54 yeah hours. there we are he was 24th <laughs> so if he hits an average round and finishes 24th you go okay fair enough I made that up he was 32nd but close enough right, right. <laughs> um, but here's the point you know he, he came from nowhere last year and he's not playing that badly you can you can make a case for him well I, I think um, the thing with, with Martin was he, he just finished 28th hadn't he and then was coming back to a golf course that he loves um, I suppose yeah. it's how much difference you put in the stock of barely missing the cut last week. They missed it on the number, didn't they? Um, yeah. 69.71 to 
what you know could he have finished 28th if he made the weekend of course he could have so you know he's always going to feel good here he's always feels good in texas there's just certain places that that martin laird plays well and he doesn't he's the type of player that just doesn't need to show you form does he like brendan Steele at the safe way just like cameron champ just like whoever like they just have certain events that they love that they turn up every year um again you know that's a bit hard you know unrealistic he doesn't do it every year but he's done it he's won it twice he's had a second you know when he has a bad week here it's generally in the 40s he's got another two top 30s as well so he's just he's steadily going to play well here so i don't know what you really want more out of 160 to 171 shot so interesting one i i guess i overlooked him again just because i find it hard for martin led to win any event yeah. three times, but yeah. that that is the only thing, isn't it? That that's the stupid thing about golf is that you you're constantly just saying they can't do it again, which is probably a bit ridiculous. But putting a bow on this, then let's just go through a couple of names that maybe have a little bit of trade potential. Doug Gim. I I, I like Doug Gim. I'm waiting for Doug Gim to win. Um, and this again is a course that I think he should suit. But so yes, yes. Chesson Hadley. Uh, if he doesn't get no. blown over by the wind. No. Rasmus Hoygaard. Fascinating. Matthew Neesmith. Uh, was a big fan. Um, need to see more for them. Plays well here. So I thought yep. that was quite interesting. Trey Mullinax. Two hundred something he was this morning mm-hmm. which was far too big um, so yes yes big big trade potential yeah yep yeah. uh, Sepp Stracker was popping up wasn't he during lockdown quite a lot wasn't mm. he uh, no Michael Thompson uh, I've got Thompson down actually in like the, the really 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 long list <laughs> Uh, I'll say no. Uh, one more, Seth Reeves. Could you not go Buckley? Because that would have been easy. Hayden Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's been impressive. Uh, he, Reeves. He Seth impressive. Reeves, yeah, absolutely. Again, another one, isn't he? There's another one come through. Um, hit 64 here, first round in 2018, when, you know, he wasn't, wasn't what he was now. Um, yeah, interesting character. Don't think he can win, but, but why not? I think that I mean the trouble is with some of these names is that they're not like a, a Jimmy Walker or Martin Laird or someone of that ilk. They're not the guys that if they go shorter, if they, if they go towards the top of the leaderboard, they're going to shorten significantly because people don't believe in them, whereas they've seen it from the other two, I guess. But interesting trade potential all the same. Yep. Um, I think I think some of these. It's, we're we're approaching the time when these uh, corn fairy stars are going to start winning. Yeah, I think so. I think this um, it's the right time of year to do it before we get some more serious events coming, don't we? So um, let's summarise our picks at the Open Dia Spania then. So I've gone with Masahiro Kawamura at forty-five to one, uh, Justin Harden at fifty to one, Nicholas Hoygaard is our uh, probably our favourite bet of the week joint between us, fifty to one. Maximilian Kiefer at 175 to 1, and Skio Seagrass at 200, with Wilco Nineaber a potential as well at 100 to 1. 
uh, open the Spaniard picks for you, Jase? Uh, John Rahm to win by more than two, at seven to two. Um, Crocker, if he turns up and he's fit, I think he's around 55. Uh, Rosner around 60. You've rightly said Nikolai Hogard at 50. We love him to bits this week. Kamara, the price has gone for me. Um, Laporta, I'll take a chance with at 125. And Daniel Gavins, I'll take a chance with at 175. Yep, absolutely. And then over to the Shriners. I really like Siwoo Kim and Matthew Wolf at kind of 40 and 45 to 1. I think Sahith Fagala probably could have shortened more than he has. So 100 to 1, 8 places I quite like. Pat Perez, I'll sort of talk himself in and out of 125. And Sam Ryder at 275 or 250 to 1, 8 places I really do like. Um, with the potential to take Jimmy Walker at a big price um, on the trade market. Anything and the others for you as well, Jason? Uh, Mith and Pereira, I think. Uh, oh, sorry, Mito Pereira. I, I, I don't think the price has gone particularly. Be interested to see how he does this week. So whatever he is, 50, 60, somewhere around there. Kevin Streelman, 70 odd, give or take. Ches Reevy, 150. Uh, with a trade on Betfair if he goes out something like 250. Um, Grayson Sig, because that's blind. Um, Carl Stanley trade on Betfair if he goes to a big price. Uh, again, we, we know his problems, but his, his, you know, his T-screen game is still absolutely spot on. Thinking about Eric Van Ruyen, um, probably will overlook him, but I do think he's got a tremendous chance in this field. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I like a lot of that. Jason, the, the, the pressing question of the day. We've just had 100 episodes. We will meet up and celebrate it at some point before the year is out. Yeah, sure. Yes. What is the cake to celebrate correctly 100 episodes of a podcast? Oh, that's a nice one. Considering, yeah. considering my... I don't want to say immature, that's harsh. Considering my basic palette... Because I'd like to have a bit of it as well. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's. I, I don't think we'll ever agree, Tom, and that's that's the problem. We'll, we'll probably have to have half each. I suppose you can get half and half a pizza at Domino's, can't we, you? You probably did a cake. I remember when I was when I was a kid, and my mum made my birthday cake. She would have half chocolate and half Victoria sponge because, you know, we'd have a lot of Tom Jacobs around for a Victoria sponge, and a lot of the Wellard kids around for the death by chocolate. Chocolate just made so, you mental, though, didn't it? So <laughs> chocolate just makes you mental, though, doesn't it? it just makes you quite yeah, mental. I actually, no, I'm actually not a big fan of. I, I love chocolate, but I'm not a big fan of having. I don't like chocolate cake. Chocolate. Oh, I make a lovely, lovely chocolate cake. Flourless chocolate tort it's called. It's lovely. It's tremendous. But it's not as good as uh, Tia Maria cheesecake. Mm, um, I could probably give that one. Indeed, indeed, the wife's um, coffee and uh, walnut cake. Yeah, anyway. I'll tell you what would surprise you, Jason, is I had never, until probably three weeks ago, I think it probably was, had never had just a plain vanilla cheesecake. I'd had lemon, I'd had raspberry, I'd had forest whatever fruits, I'd had God knows what else, raspberry's my favourite. I'd never had a vanilla cheesecake. So oh, what did you think? I thought it was alright. I thought, you know, because a typical New York cheesecake is vanilla, That's, isn't it? Yes, but yes, but there's 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 New York cheesecake and then there's New York cheesecake, yeah. or indeed, indeed, sort of Jewish cheesecake, which is very similar. Um, proper baked cheesecake depends what you had. I suspect you had something out of Asda's. Um, uh, come on, it was Morrison's, but you know, okay. yes, it was. Is it really? Is it really vanilla cheesecake? 
to be honest. I did also pair it with a bit of an Oreo Oreo ice cream, which I'm sure you know what you, you know what you know what when you arrange this celebratory half a pint and two straws, right? <laughs> I will bring a cake. Okay. I will bring a cake for you to take home, and you can eat it with your fiance, and you you know you can judge it properly. I think I think what you should do is you should actually we, we will do a live reaction to me eating a bit of cake that I. I'm convinced I won't like. I'm this type of person that, that doesn't like, doesn't eat things for a very, very long period of time. And you know the, the typical child response where they go, I don't like that. And I go, have you ever tried it? And I go, no. Every time. Like every time. It's still... It took me probably 20 years to eat Chinese. And I really enjoy it now. I just always went, oh, I like I like Indian, I don't like Chinese. And that was it. It was as simple as that. I like curry, I don't like Chinese. That, and that was and that was it. I mean, I think the only time, I, anything I ever had from Chinese was chips, which is obviously not Chinese. So it's, I think probably there's probably a whole world of cakes out there that I've probably eat. I'd probably eat one of your pistachio cakes. You know, I I've had pistachio, I've never made a pistachio cake. No, I'm sure you will do that. I don't think I'm going to like a coffee cake. I'm not going to lie. I don't think coffee. I think coffee and walnuts beyond me. We had a carrot cake in the office earlier, and it had walnuts in it and sultanas yeah. in it. Yeah. And not for me. That that was left to the side. Guess what I had? Yeah, but but, but was it homemade or was it? No, was it was a just, taste of different Sainsbury's nonsense. Yeah, you see, it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. But what I, did you have? Victoria sponge. I did have a Victoria sponge. I, I like a carrot cake. I just don't like it when they put walnuts on it and sultanas in it. So it's a bit right. like I like sticky toffee pudding when it's not the official oh, we've said dates we've in had, it. Yeah, we've had this one. So there, there's and there used to be these there used to be like these syrupy sponge things you used to be able to get in a in a tin. They were yeah. great. They were fantastic. Yeah, but they are they are great because they're just sugar hits. Mm. They don't taste of anything other than sugar. They're not proper. A, a, a treacle sponge or a syrup sponge should be dark brown. It shouldn't be this golden thing they're trying to flog you it should be dark brown it should have molasses in it it should have baits in it it, it you know it's 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 pro- that's a proper properly made cake this stuff that we all eat but it's basically just crap um because they just over sweeten it we go oh yeah lovely sugar hit and then we fall asleep half hour later lovely bit of mm. that's that's you know that's not what that's not a proper cake it's just stuff we buy because work is and life is stressful when we need to eat sugar every so often I, uh, yeah. I vividly remember at school loving butterscotch tart right and you know it just oh. used, it used to come with a little bit of like cream on the top of it which I don't really like I don't really like whipped cream or whatever the stuff that comes out of the can that horrible stuff but you used to just scoop that off and just eat this butterscotch tart and it was absolutely phenomenal like it was it was almost like a caramel shortcake but butterscotch it was amazing and for years and my mum worked at the school at the time in, in different roles she got the recipe off of the caterer and promised to make it. this is a bit of a counseling session so hi mum if you're listening um she promised to make that for me for i would say 15 years every yeah i'll make that at some point yeah i'll make that for you tom yeah i'll make that for you never did right and then i went down to uh visit someone else and they made one for me and it tasted absolutely horrendous it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It tasted like a gypsy tart, if you've ever had one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Ironically, my stepdad came from Kent and moved down to Surrey when I was younger. This is going really deep now, but he went into into a supermarket and asked someone for a gypsy tart, and they thought he was taking the piss. He thought they were like basically insinuating they were pikeys because they didn't know what a gypsy tart was. So you've got to be very careful calling puddings different things in different counties. Um, but that's basically just brown sugar on on a shortcake. It was it's possibly the worst thing we've ever eaten. But that's how a bus cart comes out if you do the recipe and. I now will never be able to relive what I thought was the best pudding ever at school. Well, when I was at school, I seem to remember that about four times a week, I'd have spaghetti bolognese and chocolate cake and custard. <laughs> and and you know, of course, this you know you know that when you have custard with something, you can't have both cold or both hot. One has to be cold, one has to be hot. Yeah. You can't have both both the same temperature. Just and obviously, if you add a, a scoop of vanilla ice cream to the custard as well sort of brings it alive did you have that kind of cake at school I, I don't you know we're different generations but the kind of cake where it's just white icing with loads of sprinkles all over it yeah, that, I can't stand that, that was yeah, fantastic it's, it's as a kid though. no but we still get it we've, we've got a deli near us that, that has it and um, the kids have it and i can't stand it it's like having um the iced bud that is the worst thing you I, I think what ice buns are the worst looking things ever in the supermarket. They look awful. They just look like a hot dog roll with a bit of icing on top. That's what it is. <laughs> no, but that is what it is. They look that's exactly what it they is. look awful. I can't I can't eat an ice bun. That is No, that's that's the pits, isn't it? Even even my un on unmatured palate is uh, is not going anywhere near an ice bun. So maybe I am growing up. But I think that'll do it for this podcast. I think you know 100 episodes it was nice to get back into the pudding talk i'm sure there's a couple of listeners that will enjoy that that little segment at the end i'm sure i'll get some stick for being a child not that many though no no not that many not not to the masses but uh there'll be two or three that criticize me for eating shit and loving you for being adventurous um but there we go that's it um final order of business again thank you very much to everybody that's listened over any one of the hundred episodes hopefully you listen to more than one That'd be great. Um, we've done a variety of things, Jason. We've interviewed some players, caddies, betting, everything. We've given it a go. Lots of talk on the women's game. There's still more that we look to do in the, in the new year, talking about sort of DraftKings and things like that. So lots of stuff still to come. Um, we do need to mention our sponsor, Manscaped, who if you use the code LFW20, you can get 20% off and free shipping worldwide at manscaped.com. Um, lots of products available on there. It isn't just the lawnmower 4.0. Lots of different products there as well. So try them out. Great stuff. We've had them over the last couple of weeks. Really enjoying them. Um, Jason, thank you very much as always. Yeah, just a quick one. If anyone's got an in with Leona Maguire or Danny Willett, we'd love to interview them. There you go. Leona Maguire or Danny Willett, anybody? We would love to speak to both of them. Um, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone that, anyone that knows those, reach out, help us out, and uh, we'll go from there. Jason, thanks as ever, mate. We'll catch up soon.